All right, hey, we're getting ready to go into a brand new series called The Choice. The Choice, man, we're pumped about this series, and I really believe it's a, a message that God has really laid on our heart for this congregation for such a time as this. And you're going to hear us announce a little bit later, but December the 4th, the first Sunday of December, we are moving into our new location. Come on, let's give God praise for that. Hallelujah. Yes, yes. And we are stoked, excited. Carpet was almost completed in the kids' zone yesterday, and, and the, everything's just falling in place now. We're very excited about that. You're going to hear a lot of announcement over the next four weeks, and we're putting a lot of push into it. And here's all we're going to ask from you. Number one is show up, and everyone bring one. And our goal, that is not our grand opening. We're going to go in in December and operate for a month to make sure we got everything working right and everybody in right positions and all that. And then January, the third Sunday of January, we're having our big relaunch. And that's where we're going to hit media. We're going to hit everything. And we're just believing God to pack it out completely on that day. But uh, we're moving from a sanctuary of seating 190 to one seating 630. And, uh, and, and 32,000 square foot. It's awesome. The kids, it's amazing. And so we're very pumped. But here's what we're going to ask you to do is everybody start inviting someone for that opening Sunday. And our goal is to have 600 people on our first Sunday over there at our new location. How many believe we can do that? I mean, come on. we got 500 here today. We can grow 100 people if just a fifth of us bring one person, all right? And so start inviting and getting people ready. I want you to come for our first Sunday at our new location and get ready. It's going to be really, really exciting, all right? Let's get right into this series called The Choice. Get your notes out. Let's get ready to ride. We had a great, great service in our 8 o'clock. Three people already gave their heart to Jesus today. Isn't that a, a great, great day already? Awesome. All right, The Choice. Let's go to our scripture we're going to use every Sunday this month. This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. God says, now, heaven and earth is a witness to this, that God's saying, I'm giving you a choice, that I'm giving you a choice of life or death, blessings or curses, and then he ends it, but choose life, that, that it's all about you. You have a choice. I have a choice on whether I'm going to live in the life that Jesus provides or death or I'm going to live in the blessing, or I'm going to live in the curse that's out there. We, we have a choice, and God says, uh, choose life. And so I, I found out in my life, in my 58 years, I found this to be true, that life is really governed by 10% of what happens to us and 90% of how we deal with it. That life really comes that way, that life is really governed or, or done by about 10% of what we go through, what comes our way. And then 90% is governed by how we handle it. What do we do with it? Can life change? Can it get better? Many people ask. The answer to those questions is found in the choices that you and I make. The vast majority of Americans, including Christians, are living in what I call a place of stagnation or survival. Have you noticed that? Isn't there a dark cloud that's trying to come over our emotions, our spirit, our attitude? Come on, anybody feel that out there? I mean, you know, I'm not going gloom and doom here, but I'm just saying there's a warfare going on. How many's found that out? And the enemy wants to bring depression and, and oppression to just get you overwhelmed, to feel like, man, I've lost it. It's not there anymore. I don't, I don't enjoy waking up in the morning. It's like a job just to get up. And we've got to come and realize that today, a place of feeling what I'm going to deal with today called stuck. Now, there, there's a scientific word, and it's way too long for me to even try to use to impress you with my knowledge today because I can't even say it, all right? 
but there's a scientific word that explains this thing called a doldrum. And a doldrum is located right on the equator where on the northern part of the equator, the wind is operating clockwise and just south of the equator, it operates counterclockwise and they counter out each other to where there's absolutely no breeze or wind in this very small section right on the equator. And the ships of old, when they were not motorized, they were operated by sail only, by wind. The captain of those ships knew you do not get in the doldrum. If you do, there's no coming out. You're going to die. And what would happen is the ship accidentally or however got in that doldrum, there would never be another wind that was going to come, and they would literally sit there until the people starved to death. And I want to tell you, there's a doldrum in life. It's a very small area of life that the enemy wants to guide you and I unconsciously into that one day we wake up stuck and there's seemingly no hope of getting out. And I want to talk to you this month, I want to talk to you on four steps that we believe, Pastor Brad and I are going to team up on this, four steps that I believe are going to be life-changing for this congregation because I fully believe, and this isn't cheerleading and hype, if God wanted me to cheerlead, he'd have put me in a skirt and stood me on a football field. He didn't, and I'm not. Amen, okay? Ain't no cheerleader up here. We ain't doing no somersaults. Things break when 58-year-olds do somersaults, all right? And so but I'm no cheerleader, but I am a pastor, and I really believe that we're not just moving into a new building. We're moving into a new season. And God's trying to prepare us for that. And so Pastor Brian and I are going to team up, and we're going to share with you four steps of getting unstuck. Because I'm going to share with you some areas that the enemy's using today to get you stuck. And then I'm going to tell you how to get unstuck today. I want to talk to you on living life. Because Jesus said, choose life. All right? And so let's get really into it very quickly. Number one, four stages of being stuck in life. Number one, and I, what I want you to do today is identify if you're in one of these four stages. And if you are, you need to identify today and let's get unstuck. Are you with me today, Nod? Okay. Number one, the first sign, the first level of being stuck is when you're faking it. When you're faking life. You don't want to let anyone know where you're really at, where you're, what you're really going through. But you're overhead in debt. You're, you're over your head in debt, but you don't want anybody. You, you, you're depressed. Your marriage is having serious issues. Your kids are acting like jerks most of the time. Your health is breaking down. But you feel this need to put up this facade and not let anybody know. And then you come to church and, how are you doing, brother? Well, thanks for asking. I'm doing fine. You know you're not. Everything that can break loose is broken loose. You're not fine, but you feel this need to fake it. Even on the way to church this morning, you might have been arguing in your car. Overwhelmed with anxiety and fears. Dealing with anger and bitterness that's inside your spirit. Wrestling with unforgiveness. And then walk in church with this big smile. I mean, in the car, you're like, rawr, rawr, rawr. and then you get out and you get into the bar. How you doing, brother? How you doing? Hitting like wonderful. Life's good. Life's good. And you know you're lying out of your teeth. Your life isn't good right now. It's going south and you're faking it. Well, I'm preaching to the right church. I pastor it. And the enemy wants you to fake it. He wants you. And I'm not saying come in here, rrr, rrr. let's fix the rrr, rrr before you get in the car. Yeah. Come on, you're with me today. Yeah. 
You see, when going through a time of difficulty, the worst thing you can do is try to hide it by putting a Band-Aid over it. Have you noticed they even have skin-colored Band-Aids now so you can hide the Band-Aid that's hiding the wound? Because we don't want anybody to know. You'll never start loving and living life while faking what's really going on inside of you. Jeremiah said, they dressed the wounds of my people as though they were not serious. Talking about the priests, the pastors. They, they dressed the wounds of my people as though it was not serious. Saying, peace, peace, they say, when there is no peace. Because you can't find peace in something artificial. Faking where you really are, how you really feel. When you show someone a little portion of your wound, you ever, you ever been there where you got this major injury and it's like ugly and you don't want everybody, to, you know, it's like gross to see the whole thing. So I'm going to let you see a little bit. It's really deep. It's really bad. You ever done that? And people look at that and go, Ooh, that, but it's okay. It's okay. You're going to be all right. It's okay. And you know, it's not okay. You're hurting. I, I went through that years and years ago when I, 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 just got on, just majorly attacked, man. And I mean, my life just turned upside down. And, and I was dealing with a childhood event that, that had happened to me as a 12-year-old, and God was really trying to free me from that. And, and I went to some pastor friends that I knew preached hard, man. They preached hard. I mean, they sent everybody to hell. You know what I mean? Just, you're all going to hell. You know, it was hard preachers. I mean, if you sneeze wrong, going to hell, you know? And, and so I went to these guys hoping they're mean and bad enough that they'd just stick their arm down my throat and into my heart and pull this pain out. Anybody ever been to that point? You're that desperate to get well that I just want you to snatch this hurt out of me. And I went to them going, man, help me here because my world is crashing. And they're great guys. They're still great friends today. They didn't know what to do. And they put their arm around me and they said, Pastor Dan, God's anointing's always been all over your life. You're okay. And I walked away from them not okay because it was still there. And I learned how to put a Band-Aid on and get up in front of people on Sunday morning and preach through my pain. And you got to come to a place in your life, if you're going to choose life, you got to be honest with where you are. Because being alive doesn't mean you're living. Number two, if you begin to fake it, you step to the next level of getting stuck, the doldrum, and you start delaying it. You start accepting life as the way it is that it's just going to be this way and there's nothing I can do to change it. You fall prey to that lie that I've used and I'm guilty and I've been told time heals. How many has been told that? Don't worry about it. I know you hurt. I know it's, I know death, hurt, pain, offense. Don't worry about it. time heals. That's a lie. Time makes it worse. Come on, help me here just for a minute. Time makes it worse. Only Jesus can heal. Don't, don't expect time. Don't delay your deliverance thinking time's going to take care of it. Because time is not going to heal you. Time is not going to heal your hurt. Time is not going to heal your relationships. Time is not going to fix your money problem. Time is not going to solve your ministry issue. Time is not your answer. Jesus is. And you cannot begin. If you start faking, you start putting on that facade, all of a sudden you're going to unconsciously start accepting that this is the way it's going to be, and I've just got to let it be, let it be. Whatever will be, will be. And you start accepting the lie of the enemy, and you're getting stuck. You're headed to the doldrums of life. I mean, watch it. Whether it's our marriage, our finances, relationships, health. I mean, you start missing church. 
hanging out at church, and I'm not one of these preachers that if you miss a Sunday and you're at a ball game, you're going to hell. I mean, if you get free tickets to go watch a ball game, get your family and go, my friend. Just come back next week, all right? I'm not here going, where were you at? Why were you at church? You're going to hell. No, no, we're not that kind of church. Just don't do it every Sunday, you know what I'm saying? But, but when you come to that place that you let the enemy start lying to you, and you start separating, and you start accepting this as the way it's going to be, you start pulling away. And I hear this all, well, the church is changing. It's supposed to. Whether it's ministry, whether it's your marriage, whether it's your finances, whether it's your health, anything that's not changing is dying. Well, I married her 20 years ago. She didn't act like that or she didn't look like that. She's changing. She's supposed to. And you don't look like Hulk any longer either. You know what I'm talking about? Your chest just went to your belt. Yeah. Okay. How many's found out life has a way of changing things? And you've got to realize today that no matter what it is, it's going to change. I had a pastor of a big church. He's one of the, the top pastors in this state. I've admired him and still admire him even more today. But he contacted me just this past week when I was down with my mom. And he's like, Dan, I feel like I'm done. I just feel like I'm done. And I'm like, I can't believe this is coming out of your mouth. You know, he's one that I still, I mean, I admire this guy like crazy. He a phenomenal ministry. He said, I just feel like it's over. I feel like I'm not going anywhere. I just feel like I, I, I'm away from everything. I don't feel anything right now. I can't feel the wind. I don't feel the anointing. I, don't, I just feel like I'm done. And I begin to just speak into his life, and I begin to talk to him about change. And I said, you got to understand, you got to make some choices to choose life over tradition. you got to make choices to choose life over the way you've always just done it. That if you're going to succeed in ministry today, never compromise, but you've got to be willing to change. You've got to do it differently. It can look different and still be just as effective or better. And all of a sudden, it began to click in him. He's been talking to me more this week, and he's going, I'm breathing again, Pastor. I'm breathing again. I mean, this is one of my overseers, you know. I'm breathing again, Pastor. And I want to tell you what the enemy wants to do is get you in a place to where you're faking ministry, marriage, life, whatever. And then all of a sudden, you begin to delay and, and, and then all of a sudden we start using this thing where God's got me set on the shelf. God never sets anybody on the shelf. God may set you aside so he can do a new work in you, get you back on board, but that's never usually for a long season. Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. I don't see him setting somebody that's qualified and healthy and well over here for a year to sit there and do nothing when people are still going to hell. You've got to be willing to move with change. The plane's still going and your seat's empty. Don't, don't get left behind. Don't, don't delay what God's wanting to do in your life. Hebrews says, see to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up. Time, there it is, time, because a root takes time. Oh, are you hearing me? See, we say time heals. No, bitterness grows with time. Defeat grows with time. Discouragement grows with time, not healing. Healing's instant when you trust the Word of God. Amen. Weeping may endure for a night, singular, but joy will come in my morning. Come on, am I preaching to the right church here today? You've got to know. You've got to, don't ignore this word today, church. Find where you are 
and get where you belong and let God help you. Because if you begin to delay it, it leads you to step number three, and that's where you just give up. Just no hope. It, it ain't going to change. And I'm giving you a second to write this because I want you to look at me when I say this. Now, everybody look at me. You've had time. 99% of the time we give up is when we're basing our choices on the actions of other people. Now, that's worth coming to church for right there. Well, they did that, and I just made my choice. Well, they didn't do that, so I'm done. And giving up is usually based on what someone else did versus what God's called you to do. In your marriage, in your ministry, in your finances, in your health, that you can't give up. But you've got to see this as a step, as part of the process. God's got, we preached it last, week, last month. God said, I've got great plans for you. I've got plans to prosper you. I've got plans to bless you. I've got plans to overflow in your life. I've got great things for you. you, you yeah, you're hurting, but you've got to quit faking it. Yes, yeah, yeah, it's happening, but you've got to stop delaying and quit putting off what I'm wanting to do. Listen, God wants to heal. God wants you back in ministry going like crazy. God wants your marriage healed and restored. God wants your health to be well and whole. God wants you to be financially free, but he can't move if you're delaying. And if you keep delaying, you're going to come into this place that you say, just forget it. Just forget it. I'm done. I'm not ever going to minister again. Just forget it. Our marriage is over. I can't love you anymore. Just forget it. We're broke. We're going to be broke when we got to die. Broke. Broke. Just forget it. You hurt me. I hurt you. We'll just keep hurting each other till we die. But we're done. Just forget it. Give up. I'm serious. That's right where the enemy wants you. Is again a give up mentality that it's done. Rather than do it different, or rather than change, give up. And you just keep drifting into the doldrum. Keep drifting closer into the drove. And the closer you get, the less breeze there's blowing. That's why some of you right now feel emotionally and spiritually dead and drought. Because you're that close to the doldrum. I've been there, so I'm preaching out of experience. Where God's saying today, I want to let, there's enough breeze if you'll throw up your sail and quit being mad and selfish and self-centered and it's all about me. If you'll throw that sail back up, God said there's still enough wind to get you back out into the flow. Come on, I'm preaching to the church that needs to hear this today. I'm getting enough nods to say amen. Are you with me? Because God still has great plans for you. Great plans to prosper you. Plans to bless you. He says there's a choice to make, life or death, blessing or curses, choose life. Are you with me today? And then if you get into this thing called give up, you move into the last step and you do not want to get there. That's where you eventually die. Because once you allow the enemy to deceive you enough to get into that doldrum, there's no coming out, folks. You got to realize the sincere, the seriousness of this message, though it's an uplifting message, is that you've got to realize today, man, the enemy just wants to get you in that place to where you feel like there's no coming out. It's just too much. I, I feel nothing. I'm not, I'm dead. I feel nothing. There's nothing here to get me out. And when you get to that place, you don't get out unless somebody comes and gets you out. And don't we see that even in our society today? People worth multi-millions of dollars, billions of dollars taking their life. I mean, death, little death. 
is taking place. We see it financially. Extremely financial, successful people, it's not enough. They're taking their life. We see it in ministry. People letting go of their God-given call. We, I mean, it's so obvious that there's a call of God. Like my brother friend, and I've been there, and every pastor worth his, his dime has, has been there at some point in ministry where you feel like just throwing your hands up and going, nobody's getting it. I feel alone. I, I feel like I'm not productive. I feel like I'm not good enough. I feel like I'm not doing it right. I mean, we all go through that. And, and you, you set this table, and you spend 15, 20 hours a week to prepare a meal to, to sow into people, and half of them don't come. I mean, you, you do that at your house and see how you feel. Just serve a whole meal and invite a family over, and they don't show up and don't call you. That's what pastors feel like on Sunday morning when half their church don't show up. But we just keep serving meals, amen? But what does the enemy want to do? He wants to come in and discourage you over that. And you got to grab hold of that in ministry and realize today, I don't do this for you. I do this as unto the Lord. And when you're doing it as unto the Lord, ministry will never wear you out when you're doing it right. Ministry will never become discouraging when you're doing it for the right reason. And it's all about him. And then we can come and we, we can look how morally people are dying, man. We're just throwing morality to the wind today. Instead of it being called a sin, it's called a flaw today. Well, I know they're not perfect. They got flaws, but, and then we condone what they're doing. There's, a, there's, there's this whole doldrum mindset in morality, emotionally, you give up and surrender your emotions to the conflict and struggle. You become numb to life spiritually. You die spiritually. You give up. You stay home on Sundays. You pull away from all the body of believers that God has put around you. The banana that gets separated from the bunch is going to get peeled. You're in that cluster, in that bunch. There's safety there. My kids, we could have a whole cluster of bananas in my kitchen. They'd turn black. They didn't want one. But you break one off and set it up on that counter, it didn't have a chance. That baby's gone. You know what I mean? Out the door. And it's the same way with you. That the enemy, as long as you're in that cluster, there's safety. He can't touch you. But you pull yourself away from the body and isolate yourself, you're vulnerable down. The enemy's going to take you out. Yeah. You, but that's what the enemy wants to get you into that place that you just pull away and you die. You stop ministering in your gifts and your calling. And the fact is that you're about to experience a spiritual death that you may not be able to rebound from because you allowed the enemy to unconsciously pull you into this area of no life, no win. Paul says in Corinthians, the one who wrote us the most Bible of anyone, we were under great pressure, he said, far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, in our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. Come on, if the guy that wrote the most Bible experienced that, how many knows every one of us in here can identify? Yeah, that, yeah I've been there, Paul. I got you, man. I understand that scripture. If I don't get any of the rest of them, I got that one. And he's telling us that you got to guard your heart, not allow yourself to be pulled in to any of these four steps. And if any of those four steps identify where you are today, I pray as your pastor that you'll hear the word of God today and that you'll identify with it and go, you know what? I'm moving back out until where the wind's blowing. I'm not gonna allow the enemy to bring me into this place of destruction. I choose life over death. Amen? And so what about this choice? You see, you can go through the motions of doing the right things externally or you can experience a transformation in your inner man. As long as you continue to change the external 
without an internal transformation, you're going to die. The gospel of Jesus is internal, not external. And let me say this, your heart, if there's not a change of the heart, you can do all the things you want to do on the outside and there's going to be no change in your spirit and your emotions. That you can do everything you want to do on the outside and you can look at everything's fine and wonderful, but if there's not a heart change, there is no change. That God wants to transform your heart. Even with our children, the heart determines a child's future, not required behavior. Let me explain that. I raised my children under very strict rules in my house. They had no say-so when they're coming home. I told them when they're coming home. They had no say-so in what they're going to wear. I told them how they could dress. You want these? You live in this house? Here's the rules. I dictated restricted behavior of my children. We can do that, but then all of a sudden one day they graduate and they go to college where they sit for four years under secular professors that teach everything against what I taught them when I had restriction over them. And now where there's no restriction, they will live by their emotion and their feeling if they don't have a heart experience with God. And that's why the majority of our young people when they go to a secular college leave their faith is because they had all the outward expressions of loving God but no heart change. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And you can go through 50 hours of counseling and your marriage is still gonna fall apart if you don't let Jesus change your heart. You, you can go out here and you can do all you want to do ministry-wise and you're going nowhere until you let Jesus change your heart. You, you can do whatever you want to do externally, but there's no permanent change going to come until you let Jesus change your heart. Are you with me today? So the heart determines our future. There's always been a choice in everything in life. Genesis 2.9 says, In the middle of the garden there was a tree of life and a tree of knowledge of good and evil. So at the very beginning, God gave man a choice. He said, there's two trees in the garden. One's what? Tree of life. What did Jesus say? Choose life. He said, there's the tree. You can eat of that tree all you want. It's yours. And as long as you eat of that tree only, say only, you live forever. You never die. Now here's the tree of knowledge of good and evil. This one, you do not touch it or you die. Read down to verse 16. And the Lord commanded them... You are free to eat from every tree of the garden, but you must not, circle must not, must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely, circle that, die. So God comes in and he tells them, if you just eat of this tree, you have nothing to worry about, you will not die. But if you eat of this tree, you will surely die. What did the enemy, the serpent, tell Eve? He distorted it. And he went to Eve and said, oh, he didn't mean it like that. Here's what he really meant. He said, if you eat of this tree, you might die. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, you eat of this tree, you will die. But if you eat of this tree, you will have life and have it more abundantly. But Jesus already told us there's a thief and a robber out there to steal, kill, and destroy. And God has given us this choice, and our choice, and our choice says, are going to determine whether we're living or dying, whether we're blessed 
or we're cursed. But he said, choose life. So here's some choices that I want to go over today. Three of them that we make daily that are going to determine whether we get stuck or unstuck, whether we're living in death or living in life, blessing or cursing. Number one, got to go quickly, is that we've got to be careful that we're not doing more rather than receiving what's already been done. Because we're going to do one of those, doing more or receiving what's already been done. You see, some think doing more will solve their issues or make them go away. Doing more, if I, if I just pray more, if I just read the Bible more, and believe me, you need to study the Word and pray more, we all need to do that, but doing more is not going to change your situation. Receiving what God's already done in His Word is what's going to change your situation. Are you, are you with me today? It's not about doing more. It, when my marriage is in trouble, I'm going to send some more flowers. Keep the flowers going, bro, but if you don't let God change your heart, and receive the freedom and the deliverance and a changed heart. She don't want your flowers. She wants a new man and vice versa. It's not about doing more. It's about receiving what's already been provided. Jesus paid your bill in full. There's nothing else that you can do. He said in John 5, 39 through 40, you diligently study their scriptures because you think by them you possess eternal life. These are the scriptures that testify about me. What Jesus said is, you think reading more scriptures the goal? No, I want you reading more scriptures so you can get to know the author of the book better. It's not about you getting more. It's about you receiving what I've already given to you. He says, yet you refuse to come to me and have life. It's not about doing more. It's about receiving. Can I challenge some of you today? Quit working so hard to be free and just let the Word of God and the Holy Spirit make you free. You can't outdo what He's already done. Come on, y'all with me on that? Number two, I've got to close here. We're either seeking God's approval or we're receiving God's love. That's where some are stuck today. You're trying to get God's approval. When he's already given that through the gift of his son. There's nothing you can do that will get God's approval any more than you've already got it. Can I say that again? Because somebody in here besides me is messed up in life. Two or three more of us in here? Okay, a few more than that. Cool. We messed up, man. We made bad choices. We chose death and we chose curses instead of life and blessing. And boy, did we pay for that right? And then we try to, well, if I could just get good enough so God would want me now, if I can just get clean enough so God, try that. You will rub yourself raw and still not be clean enough because you can't get that clean by yourself. But just one moment in the presence of Jesus, just one moment where I receive his grace and his love in my life and his forgiveness, I'm now called the son, the daughter of God. And I can boldly come to his throne and cry, my father, And we've got to quit trying to be approved by God and start receiving the love that God has already given to us. You see, isn't it amazing when Adam and Eve failed? You know what God did? He didn't go, well, messed up with them too. Let's start over. I mean, he's glad God didn't do that with you. He didn't go, no. You know what he did? He went down to that garden and he started looking for them. Adam, Adam, where are you, Adam? 
I know you're hiding. You're hiding. You feel, where are you? He didn't throw them away. He went looking for them. Why? Because he had an amazing love for them. We're going to fix this. And can I challenge you today? Quit trying to get good enough for God and start letting the love of God be real in your life today. And receive it and let God start pulling you out of that doldrum of life and start enjoying the breath and the wind of God in your spirit again. Can I get amen on that? Last of all, we're either obeying out of duty or we're obeying out of delight. Now, I grew up in a legalistic church, and I thank God for my background, but it was tough being a Christian when I was growing up, man. I mean, if you played pool or cards, you was going to hell. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, and dear God, if you was ever in a movie theater, you just prayed the whole time you was there, the rapture didn't come because you ain't going. It could be a G movie, you ain't going. You know? I mean, that was some stuff. But we, we got to come, you know, I, I just grew up with this whole thing, man, that, I mean, if you just miss a church on Sunday, you're going to hell. I mean, it's like this God's up there in heaven with this big old board, man. He's just waiting for you to just one, do it one more, one more time. Bam, gotcha. And it was like God was proud to get you. You know what I'm saying? It was like that was his ultimate goal in heaven was to just get you that third time so he had a right to knock you out. And, and we grew up and we had this whole thing, man, that serving God was like a duty instead of a delight. You say, I'm not doing what I'm doing today because I got to. I'm doing it because I get to. I didn't worship him yesterday when I was laying carpet tile, man, just having a worship experience over there at that kid's song. Yes, just me in that room, man. Turned on some music and praise and had to stop laying tile a few times just to have some worship stuff going on, man. This is no got to here. This is get to. Delight yourself in the Lord. You hear what I'm saying? That's what he said. I want you to delight yourself in me. I, I don't want this to be a duty. I don't want coming to church to be a duty. I don't want you greeting at the door because pastor's not going to be your friend. I'll be your friend if you don't. I just won't be that good of a friend, all right? But no, I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. But you got to understand, man, I'm going to do what I do because I do it as unto the Lord. Because this isn't a duty for me. This is a delight. This is a delight, man, to speak into the lives of men. It's a delight to, to change the life of women. This is a delight to be a part of God healing family. It's a delight to watch people raise their hand and give their lives to Jesus today. A young man sitting in the back, he was brought by a relative today, and his world was crumbling and fall apart. And he used to be in church at another location, and, and, and his relatives been inviting him to come, and he heard this message today, and God told him, he couldn't hardly leave the building. He talked to Brad and I at the end, and his relative came to us, and he goes, he may stay for all three services, because God's wrecking his world over there right now. I mean, this is like major stuff going on. He said, he's cried the whole service today, and the presence of God. Let me tell you something, how can that be a duty and not a delight? When you know God's using you in some little way, the worship team, the greeter at the door, the parking lot, every person had a part to play in that young man's transformation today. Light yourself in the Lord. Stop letting ministry be difficult. Let ministry be a joy. Stop letting marriage be a difficult thing and start letting it be a joy. Start letting finances explode in your life when you begin to operate in faith and, and watch God do amazing things in your life. Today, watch where you are. Identify where you are in life today. And if you're one of those steps that the enemy's pulling you into that place of no wind, no breath, no life, today I want you to identify it and say, God, we're reversing this thing. I'm, am I preaching to the right church? Anybody identified here today? And wherever I've been doing these three steps wrong, I'm gonna do the right one. And I'm gonna choose life today. Because the last thing, fill it in in your notes. The key to living life is fall in love with Jesus again.
Can I challenge some of you today? Some of you like me, you've just been saved almost too long because you get used to this. You take it for granted. And all of a sudden, ministry becomes my focus rather than the person of Christ. And I want to challenge you today that you let God just bring a new breath and you make a choice today, life over death, blessing over cursing. Because God's got great things planned for us. I, I'm 100% confident that this move is more than just a building. I believe with all of my heart, and I would not say this because it would be a great disappointment if I wasn't expecting it or thinking it's going to happen. I believe God's moving us not into a new building, but into a new season. That we're going to see God do amazing things in us and through us. In Jesus' name. Anybody else feel that with me? And, and, and the building is just a change so that we can reach more people with the hope of Jesus. And so I'm gonna ask you this before we close about your heads and here's what I want you to do. And I'm gonna pray some of you will not let your pride keep you into that, into that system the enemy's lying to you about and keeping you drifting toward the doldrum because I've been there, my friend, I've been there. How many Christians right now, I'm talking to Christians, you say, Pastor, this word was for me today. The enemy's been lying to me and I identify with one of those four places, I'm there. But God's opened my eyes today and I'm choosing life over death. And I'm choosing blessing over cursing. How many Christians raise a hand and say, that was, this works for me today, Pastor. I get it. I get hands going up all over this building. I hear you today, Pastor. This is my word today. I'm getting it. I'm getting it. I'm getting back on board. I'm buckling up. I'm getting ready for the ride. I'm not going to die. I'm not going to sit here and lose my gift, my calling, my purpose, my marriage, my finance, my healing. I'm not going to do that. I'm hearing God today. Thank you. You can put your hand down. Father, I pray over every person that just raised their hand. I pray a fresh wind of the Holy Spirit to breathe into their heart and their spirit. I pray, God, that you let a revival begin to take place in their heart, Father. I, I pray, God, that you wake them up every morning. The joy of the Lord is my strength. This is the day that God has made. And I choose, I make a choice to rejoice in Him and be glad in it, Father. And God, I just pray over them right now that, God, you open the doors and you pull them out of that doldrum. You take them away, God, from that place, God, of death and no life and no wind. And I pray, God, you breathe into them again, God, a fresh wind of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, we choose life today. Maybe you're here right now and you joined the three this morning that's already raised their hand. And you say, Pastor Dan, I'm here today. Someone brought me or I was invited or I just dropped by on my own. But... I'm not a bad person, but spiritually, I'm not in a good place. And I know today I need to make a commitment to God. And I need Jesus in my life today. And I need a new start and a new beginning. And, and I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to come to you. I just want Jesus to see your hand today. If that's you, would you just lift a hand up and you can put it right back down. Wow, hands going up all over this building. Three, four, six, eight hands right now. Come on. If that's you today, I'm ready for a new start, Pastor. I'm ready for a new start. Ready for a new beginning. I need Jesus in my life. That's about 12 hands right there. And the number's not what counts other than that's 12 people that God's going, this is your day. This is your day, man. We're your cheerleaders over here now. I'll cheer for that. In Jesus' name. If you raised your hand or you did not, and you say, Pastor, today's my day. I need Jesus in my life. I'm ready for a brand new start. Pray for me. I want you to pray this prayer with me. Say, dear Jesus, I come to you now. You said in your word, if I would just come to you, confess with my mouth that you are Lord. Believe in my heart you raised from the dead. I can be saved. So right now, right now, I come. I confess with my mouth 
right now that you are Lord. I believe in my heart you raised from the dead. And I receive you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, I choose life. I choose life. I choose life in Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, about 12, 13 hands raised. Come on, let's celebrate with heaven today.